let me say this, Pastor Lee and Carla, um, you have been a rock in this community, and I want to thank you for, this is where I'm from, this is where most of us are from, and uh, I just want to thank you for, for staying, both of y'all, with integrity, and, and, uh, and, and, and really, you know, this is the first time I've been here, and just having a godly place to come, and where people show their love for God, that's you. Church, you'll never know what a pastor goes through. You, you, there's no way you can tell. You can be friends with them, but you don't know what we go through. And when they get up here on Sunday, you don't know what's been going on during the week here. And uh, a lot of attacks. If, any, if the devil's going to attack anybody in your church, guess who it's going to be? It's going to be the pastor and his wife and his family. Do not say anything ever. Listen to anything bad that is said about them. Don't touch God's anointed. Leave them alone. Let God deal with them. Amen? But I will honor you. I thank you for bringing me home. I thank you for doing that. And I, I, I'm, I'm blessed to be here with you. And I, I have prayed that it, it, maybe I can just move the mark a little bit for you and, and just and minister to your people. But I, I really, uh, as long as you've been here, and I, I've known you've been here, and you've stayed through all the stuff that goes on in this city, and uh, I'm looking out right now on a Friday night of a church that's full. And uh, what a great place. Amen. I just said thank you, Pastor. Thank you for the Well, 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 you know. Um, well, I'm, I was born in New Orleans, New Orleans. And uh, all my cousins and aunts and uncles and everybody's down in New Orleans. Anybody in New Orleans born in New Orleans? Charity Hospital. Everybody's born in Charity Hospital down in New Orleans. Same one. did not matter who you were, Charity Hospital. And, uh, and so all my relatives were down there. We went every weekend. And so I was a Mardi Gras Catholic. I know you understand that here. I throw me something, mister, and then we go get drunk. And so my family was, uh, basically I grew up like some of you where everybody just drank and partied and, and get drunk, curse each other out, fight, and then drink Bloody Marys in the morning. So that's what I saw growing up. And I didn't have a Bible at all. I didn't know what the Bible said or anything like that. And uh, what happened is I, I, anybody go to Sacred Heart? I went to Sacred Heart Elementary School. I don't know if that's even a school anymore. Is it a, is it a school? Is it still a church? Sacred Heart? I don't know. Do y'all know that? Uh, yeah, I went to Sacred Heart. And in and, and, uh, and, uh, the third grade, my parents pulled me out. I think I was flunking religion. And I, they took, pulled me out. <laughs> And, uh, and then I went over to Belfair Elementary. Anybody from Belfair? Then I went to Broadmoor Junior High. Then I went to Broadmoor High School to Broadmoor Bucks, and we won the whole district championship and stuff and had a good team. I don't know what they're doing now, but they had a good team back then. And then got a football scholarship up to Louisiana Tech University because Terry Bradshaw called me, and uh, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And I just got Sports Illustrated here in Baton Rouge, and uh, I live right behind Broadmoor. And, uh, of course, it's, you know, here's a guy from Louisiana winning, you know, number one draft choice. That doesn't happen much. Had his picture on the cover of Sports Illustrated, the blonde bomber. Had a picture like this. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, wow, as a guy from Louisiana, is number one draft choice, the Steelers. Man, that's great. And, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden, two hours later, I get a call. Now, I don't know if you know my old nickname from from Broadmoor, because it's the Broadmoor Bucks, and we used to have a real ship cannon that would shoot in the end zone, a real one. Now, they outlawed it, because I think somebody got killed or something, they shot somebody, but 
but they outlawed it after our year because it was dangerous. But I was averaging two touchdowns a game, so they started calling me Boom Boom. So there are people around the country who don't even know my name. They know Boom Boom, but they don't know my name. So I pick up, so what happened, I pick up a phone, and I said, somebody says, is Boom Boom there? And I said, yeah, who's this? He said, it's Terry Bradshaw. I said, what, is who? And I'm looking at the cover. I said, Dad, it's the, it's the guy on the cover of, of the book. And my dad said, let me talk. He, he didn't ask for you. Um, <laughs> yes, Terry. He said, I understand you're a good ball player. He said, I'd like, you to come. I'd like to meet you this weekend. And so I went up to Louisiana Tech and uh, make the testimony story short is that uh, I, hadn't, I didn't know what a Bible said. I didn't know who David and Goliath was. I didn't know who Samson was. I didn't know any of that. And uh, we had a guy that uh, you, you know, Pastor Denny Duran. And Denny Duran signed up at Louisiana Tech same year I did. And uh, he was from Shreveport, Louisiana, but he was a Pentecostal preacher's kid. His daddy was a Pentecostal preacher in Shreveport. And so, so Denny knew who I was. I, I was an All-American in high school and had scholarship offers from all over LSU uh, and Alabama. Bear Bryant was at Alabama, Tennessee, and things like that. You say, well, you're not that big. Yeah, but I was faster than everybody else. I outran them because I was scared. And, and <laughs> you can run fast when you're scared. And, uh, and I, I, I just would run. But, uh, and so Denny, I meet Denny, and he, he, he wants to meet Boom Boom because they knew about me. And uh, so he comes up, he goes, he said, are you Boom Boom? I said, yeah. He said, I said, who are you? He said, I'm Denny Duran. First thing he says to me, are you saved? And I said, from what? <laughs> I, I didn't know what he's talking about. I have no idea what he's talking about. He said, are you born again? Now, what does a Catholic say? Well, I'm Catholic. <laughs> yeah. And he said, have you accepted Jesus? I said, I'm an American Catholic. Because I, I wasn't from Rome. I wasn't from Rome, so I couldn't say Roman Catholic like we say. But I hadn't been to church in a lot of years. You know what I'm saying? You go there, and I hadn't been to church in a, in a long time in the Catholic church. And so I was out of church, played the guitar is what I did. And, and my old drummer is right up there. Billy Smith was my drummer. My professional drummer is Billy Smith. And uh, when I was here, he was doing that. And I think, oh, Don Mahan, is he where, Don, where you're at? One, one of my pastors that was here, too. Don's here. Yeah, hey, Don. You got two California pastors here. I'm here. Wow. You got it all over the place. And so uh, what happened is just really short there is that uh, Denny, Denny just witnessed to me. And it's a long story. One day we'll tell you. But uh, I didn't get saved in a church. I got saved in my dormitory room at Louisiana Tech. I knelt down on the carpet I took from the cafeteria. And uh, I took it back, church, after I got saved. Uh, and uh, and um, I knelt down, and, and, and Denny goes, go, he got so excited because he's been praying. I was the leader of the sinners, of course, because I have a New Orleans Mardi Gras upraising. And so I was in charge of the sinners, and he had about five Christians. And so he would be witnessing to me because I was the kingpin on this whole thing. And eventually I knelt down because uh, I had a dream the night before that I went to hell. And that would kind of get you saved once that happens. And, uh, and he goes, go ahead and pray. So I'm like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He goes, no, you know another prayer? Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord. I said, I don't know any of prayers. I don't know how to pray. He said, just ask the Lord to save you. Just ask him to come in your life. And I just did a silly prayer, I guess, and just asked the Lord to forgive me and April 30th, 1973, in Hutchinson Dorm Room 201, 1131 at night. My life changed then, and I've never been the same since. Come on, how many can testify that? 
How many of you a new person? I, I'm, I, I have never gone back. I, there's been no Mardi Gras, no drinking, no nothing. Like I, everything I did in the past instantly was gone, and I've never had to go back to that to my past life. Hallelujah, Amen. So, well, th- this is this is really it, it's just such an honor to be be here and and to be home and. Uh, 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 we we had a reunion or something. We have any Hosanna people? Who's a, some Hosanna people here? And uh, good good to see all of you. Look at that. Any crossfire? We had some old crossfire. Some cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, we had some we had some good old days. You know what? I go around the country and it's amazing how people during those crossfire conferences we did. We had about seven thousand come youth pastors. They're all over the country, and I run into these guys. Some of them are Bible college presidents. And they said how their life was changed here and so much and so forth. And it was just a, it was a time that God just really kissed a ministry and, and it just really grew. But, uh, you know, this, this is, you can't, you can't pull the Cajun out of the Cajun. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I look for Cajun food. Uh, I've got, I, I got to get slap your mama. I've got slap your mama. I don't know. Some of you may not even know what that is. You got to get some slap your mama. And the other kind is punch your daddy. So you can get both of those seasonings if you like. Um, I wish my wife could be here. We, we, we've just, uh, because of what happened to me of the cardiac arrest, uh, I was out, you know, pastoring the church out there just to bring you up, some of you that know me. Uh, and we went out there, and God told me that he was going to bring a, a, you know, a revival uh, at, at, a, at the church in the middle. I didn't even know where the city was. And the only reason I knew the city was because the two sons of the pastor I taught in the Bible school here uh, when I was in the city, but I didn't know the pastor, and he was retiring, and he asked his kids, uh, I, I need to find a pastor, and both his kids said, get Glenberto, get Glenberto, so that's the connection for me in California, which I didn't know where California, I didn't even know where the city was, and uh, went out there, but God says, I want to fill this 2,500 seat church up, he said, uh, uh, I didn't want you to build it, but I want you, I'm going to help you fill it, and over the last 30 years, it's been 30 years since I left, and uh, we've seen over 100,000 people saved. We've, uh, we, we had, in, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. And I'm, I'm, really, I'm really underestimating that. And I'm not trying to brag. I'm just telling you what, how good God has been to us. And, and uh, so many things, uh, you know, have happened in, in, in that city in so many lives. We had a revival where 35,000 were saved in 28 nights. Deliverance, gang rags, weapons, crack pipes on the altar. I'm talking about just the witchcraft things and stuff like that. Uh, since I was saved, Pastor, out in the world, uh, I realized that, you know what, uh, this, this is just for us to get ready to go out to church. This isn't church. We're just kind of getting fed to go out and have church outside with people. And so wherever I'm at, even when I was in the hospital, I'm praying for nurses to get saved. I'm in Minneapolis the other day. I just flew from Minneapolis. I went to Atlanta. I was preaching last night in Atlanta and just got here today. And uh, that the pastor over there posted a picture. I'm praying with the, the, uh, the waitress to accept the Lord. Because you've got to realize we're not the lights of the church. We're the lights of the world. It's to, you know, all this dancing and stuff, that's real nice. That's real good. Do you do it out there? All, all that shout, do you do it out there? It's real strong to do it in here, but can you do it out there? And can you be the light out there? So, so sometimes, sometimes I used to think I'd rather not be a pastor because I'm dealing with too many Christian people. I want to go out really and touch people because there are Glenn Berto still out there outside that if you don't come get me, I'm not coming to church. You understand? 
You've got to get these people and tell them. And it's not up to the pastor to build the church. It's up to you to build the church. So I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of challenging you and just kind of talking and just sharing with you because I know this is a great place that, to bring your friends to. And uh, I just want to pray right now. I want to get into it, okay? You want to hear the story because this story is, uh, we were talking. I said, you know, some of us uh, older people here, we remember the old Roberts days. We remember that. that. We don't have the old Roberts days. Some of you younger people hadn't seen miracles at all. You don't even know what miracles are. I've been around the world, Singapore. I've preached all over around, around the world. And, and I see these younger preachers come in. I don't know if they even use the Bible. Uh, they, they, they show a picture of their family. They read one scripture, and then they find in Nemo the rest of the sermon. I don't know what they're doing. And then there's no altar call. There's nothing at the altar that takes place. And I'm like, why, why am I studying? Why am I even having church? Why are we even turning on the lights if we're not going to see lives change in an altar? Why are we going to do it? And I see churches building bigger stages and smaller altars. And I said, what are we doing here? We're doing this backwards here. And so, so I, I'm, I'm with you on the whole thing on the move of God. I've never left that. I've never left winning souls. I've never left seeing people say, but now God has added to, in a sense, my ministry of seeing miracles take place because of what he did in my life. And, uh, and what you're going to hear tonight is, is I, I'm not even going to be able to tell you the whole story of all the things that took place. Uh, but I'm just blessed to be here. I'm blessed to, to even speak because I wasn't even supposed to speak because I was brain dead. Uh, I'm blessed every day. See, some of us take it for granted, but I'm blessed every day I wake up that I'm able to see my kids and my grandkids, and I'm able to even come and see you. And uh, uh, there's no big deal that you have tonight. No star hung over my manger, so I'm not the big deal. I'm just, I'm just one of his... One of his kids, just like you, that's just obeying. And when I when I speak, I, I'm talking to family. I'm not, you know, it's not like me and you. It's us together going on a journey. And so I, I want you to raise your faith because I have seen since this has happened to me, and you're going to hear it, and I'm going to show you pictures. I'm going to show you what I look like dead. Um, but uh, I've seen, I remember the first time, Pastor, that I shared it in my church in Modesto. Uh, of course, like Lazarus, everybody come out to see Lazarus, and everybody fill the church up, and then next week they're gone. But you know, they all want to see Lazarus, and so there was a little, there was a man standing there, and he had a little boy with him, and he was totally bald headed, didn't have a hair on his head, which you know we've seen that on TV. He's got cancer. The little boy's got cancer, and I went over. He never had come to our church before, but he heard about my story, and he said he's going to tell it, so he came. I didn't know that, and so I'm walking, and I see him holding that little boy, and I said, "Sir, what?" Your little boy, what's wrong? He said, well, he has cancer. And, oh, my heart just broke for this little five-year-old, six-year-old boy. I said, can I hold him? And so he said, yeah. So I held that little boy, and I started crying. And I started praying for this little boy that might not ever be able to play sports or do anything because of this cancer. And he said, the doctors can't do anything for him anymore. There's nothing they can do. And so I prayed for him, and I gave him back. Next week, he comes into the church. And he says, I don't know. I said, I took him to the doctor, and the doctors don't know what happened to his body, but it's changing, and we're able to help this boy out now. Something has happened in his body. I'm in L.A. with my daughter. All of you that wonder, my kid, all my kids are in the ministry. I'm, the, I'm a first-generation Christian. Nobody in my family, uncles and aunts, nobody was ever saved. And uh, my kids thank me for the legacy and stuff. Now, my kids are now, my grandchildren are growing up in church, things like this. You've got to realize that you, you, one person, you can change the whole 
the whole picture of your legacy and your family. You can do that. You can. And so I was, I was at my daughter and my son-in-law's church they have in L.A. My son has a church in Fort Worth. And there was a young man that was the worship leader, came down. I saw him singing worship. He was great. He was standing at the altar. And I said, hey, man, what's wrong? What's going on with you? He goes, i got four cancerous tumors. He's 26 years old. And he said, doctors can't do anything. So I, I, I prayed for him. Two weeks later, I get a face call, FaceTime call from my son-in-law. He said, remember this man here? I said, yeah, I remember him. He says, uh, tell him what happened. He said, I just went to the doctor. All the cancer is gone. The doctors don't know what happened. So praise God. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a few things. And some of you remember my wife here. My wife, my wife listen, when we, were, when we were at Crossfire and Hosanna, Deborah, Debbie was just, she, you didn't know this, but she had a spirit of fear. I didn't know she had a spirit of fear. I thought she was just shy. And, uh, and, but she had fear. And even when we started pastoring Hosanna, she was fear. If she didn't, she couldn't introduce anybody for a women's conference. She goes, I don't know if I can. Int-. I said, just say, well, let's welcome Sister Smith. That's all you got to say. I can't do it. I said, what's, what's wrong? What do you mean you can't do it? I, I couldn't understand because I just never had any fear. And so what happened is there, God just delivered her in one service. She got totally set free. So she put this little book together. I live to set you free. And, and the woman that I married is a different woman that I had. So I've had two different wives from the same wife. You know, I, you know, kind of, <laughs> she's, she's like, like, who are you now? I don't know who you are now without fear. She ends up doing our, our, she's our intercessor. She's our prayer leader at the church. Uh, and she wrote a book, a little pamphlet here. You got to get this. It says, I live to set you free. Uh, and before COVID, this is a picture we're running over. We have over a thousand people that would come to a prayer meeting on Monday night. And so this is where we'd see all kinds of miracles. But she set free. She became an animal. She became powerful. She, be, she was just, you know, if there was a demon in the room, and she's the one that was instrumental in praying me back to life. So I just wanted to say that to her, tell her I love her if she's watching. I don't know if she's watching or not. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. That covered everything I could say right there. What else can you say? Before I get into the story, I'm going to share. There's about 30 different things that God really spoke to me. And I'm going to give you about five of them. And, and they're just kind of random things here that I think that, that just, just kind of bless you a little bit. And then I'll start telling you a story here. Here's the first one here. Go ahead and put that up so they can see this. Put this up there. Put that up. See, God's the only one who could. We see that, yeah. Let's see. But you know what? This happens. You know what happens? Many times, sometimes I go someplace and I set up the video, and the video doesn't work. Kind of like this here, but it happens like this. But let me just say it while they're working on it. Here's number one. Here, God's the only one that can take something bad and make it worse and call it a promotion. <laughs> now think about that. Uh, you go through something bad, then it gets worse, and then God promotes you. He did that with Abraham. He did that with David. He did that with Jesus. He did that whatever. You look in the Bible and look at the things you go through in your life, and you think that God is, I don't know, apparently he doesn't like me. He's just throwing me over the devil. You've got to realize that part of your prophetic destiny is that you're going to walk through some pain and some rain, and you're going to walk through some things in your life. And it's not to go ahead and put you down. It's for you to get strong enough so he can use you in the future. It's part of your destiny to walk through these things. And when you walk through them, see, anointing is something free. Authority is not free. You've got to earn authority. You've got to do something. Anybody in the military will tell you, 
They didn't get all those stripes and all those marks and all those badges and all those ribbons just by doing nothing. They did something. They fought. They got wounded. They went ahead and took command of different things. But you know what? If you don't do anything, then you're never going to have authority. And that's going to play a big part in what I'm about to say tonight. Oh, you got that? Okay. God's okay. Let me, let me go through this here. Here's number two here is that, that God told me. He says success in life is not based on, is not measured by what you have done, but what you've left undone. I can say in my life, I've done a lot of things. I've traveled all around the world. I've seen, I've been in arenas. I've done all those things. I've been there. I'm not impressed by it all. I'm not, because uh, I'm not, it's not me. I'm, I'm not, well, I'm not preaching me. I'm preaching the book. I'm preaching about Jesus. And uh, I, I'm preaching about him. And I realize people can live on what they have done. But when I came back and I'm alive again, I had to realize that apparently God still wants to do something with me. So if you're breathing, I don't know if you are, but if you're breathing, God has a plan for you. Somebody say amen. God's got a plan for you. You're not to sit soaking sour because sitting Christians hatch hypocrites. You need to be active. You need to be doing something. Church is just not enough. You've got to serve. You've got to show God I'm more than just a tender of a church, but I want to be involved because you called me. You saved me. You brought me out for a reason. You didn't call me to sit in a church. You called me to minister and touch people. Amen? All right. All right. All right. So, so I, I, you know, when people say, you know, God's not through with you is why he brought you back. Well, that's not good enough. God's just not through with you. And, uh, I, I know God's not through with me, but you know, and I'm still asking God, why me, you know, why me and not somebody else in a sense of that. And why did he do me? I'm still in that. And I've, I've got some things that I kind of, but I don't know if we'll ever know. I don't know if I'll ever know why, uh, why he picked me in this thing. But I know this, here's the other thing. Here's the third thing. We need a second opinion on everything. We need a second opinion. When the doctors talked to me, there was their, their opinion was one opinion. I thank the doctors. I have doctors in my church. I have a lot of nurses in my church. And I thank you for that, what you have to say. But I have a book that gives me a second opinion. I got another doctor. How about that? I got another doctor that says by his stripes, I'm healed. The righteous are never forsaken. I, hey, I'm not worried what they put on the news. I'm righteous. They can say what they want to. I'm, ty- I'm tired of hearing, oh, are we not living, come on, guys, are we not living in the craziest times that we have ever, this is the cra- nuttiest people I've ever seen. I want to get a shirt that says, make logic great again. You know, I mean, forget, God, I've never seen so many crazy, crazy things that they're coming up with and things like this. I'm so tired of hearing the race thing. I'm so tired of that. Uh, you know what? Hey, you know where? Hey, all, I don't care what color where you're from. You know where we came from? Dirt. Yeah, we came from dirt. All of us are dirt. You understand? Because when you die, you go back to what? So that's it. You're just dirt. That make you feel good, huh? So the only thing precious in you is breath. And when God's breath leaves you, you go back to dirt again. So how are you going to go ahead? You know, I did a thing, Pastor, that went viral. I had several million people, I don't know, looked at it all over. And they're in Charlottesville or something. Some of you remember maybe years ago, the, the white supremacists were going to march down the street, I think, in Charlottesville or something. And I watched it on a Saturday. And, uh, and it was just wrong. And, and, the, and the guy's in his little gown, his little, little Halloween suit. 
and, and, and his little teepee. And, and I said, look, and he asked him, he said, aren't you scared to be walking down the street? Because it was like a war. It was like a violent thing happening in the city. And he goes, no, I'm not afraid. I'm doing the Lord's business. Well, I, okay, I had it. Okay, so I got up in church. We were having a baby dedication. And so I'm walking down. I have everything in my church. I, I, am, I am so multicultural in my church. I have, I have uh, Hispanics. I have, I have Asian. I have Filipino. I have blacks. I'm the biggest uh, ethnic church in all our city of all the of different, whatever background you are, we have them, which is, the, is what heaven looks like. Amen? That's what heaven is. Nobody's better than anybody else. Nobody, he, made, he, he, he put the same and all. I, so I'm walking down doing a baby dedication. We have all these people here. Well, I have all kinds of, I, and so I has, there's a, a black man with a Hispanic woman. They have their baby. And I walked by them, and after I saw that thing, I said, look. I said, did you, you guys see, did y'all see yesterday what that white supremacist said? I said, do you realize that the only difference is just, just the color of you? Peel that back and we're all pink. We all bleed the same. If I need a heart transplant, I can take his. He can take mine. I said, there's no difference in this. I am so, and I went off on this. And I said, these stupid white people are talking about this. Well, it went on stupid white people went everywhere. Because white person says it. It's stupid now. You can be stupid in any, any, anywhere. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that was stupid. And I just called it out. And I had more of, more than the black community said, thank you, Pastor for saying that it went viral and i said well it's just right it was just the stupidest thing i ever seen a stupid white guy up there talking about how i'm doing the lord's work where you're going to hate somebody because of a skin color that is totally demonic and wrong and it's and i don't believe it i did not want to say it, okay now now my story lines up with actually it does line up some with lazarus out of all things it's just crazy as can be and about time i talk about a lazarus revival but but uh, this this is a thing taken out of the book of Lazarus. So I, w- I want you to see the scripture. And I'll tell you what, what's happening. Go ahead, the next one. Uh, it says, "Where have you put him that the Lord said?" And he said, "Lord, come and see." And Jesus wept. So this is when Lazarus had died, and they thought that, "Come on, Jesus, we've been friends a long time. Jesus would stay there, and Mary and Martha would bring him food, and he'd rest, and so forth." And they were good friends. They were actually good friends. And so they said, "Well, why? You know, he stayed too." you know, two days uh, you know, longer than he should have because they wanted him to come. He was only seven miles away. He's only two hours away to walk. It, would, it wouldn't have been a big deal for him to come. But I, I kind of wonder why he did that. And he said, well, he's my friend. I could heal him like everybody else, but I want to give him a better testimony. I'm going to resurrect the guy because he's my friend. And so what happens is when he shows up, Mary and Martha are like really kind of crying. They're upset and, you know, and why wouldn't you hear? Why couldn't you come? He didn't even answer it. He just says, where have you put him? And when, he, when I read that, it's like, where have you let your dream die? Show me where you quit. Show me where you stopped. Show me where you gave up. Bring me to the spot where you're not going to, you quit believing for your child to get saved. Show me where you want to give up for your, bring me to that place and show me where it's at. Cause I want to resurrect that thing you think is dead. I want to bring that back to life again. Amen. That's what I want to do. The last little point, I want to give you this last point here. You can be resurrected and still be in your grave clothes. Uh, I realize just cause you're in church doesn't mean you're alive. It doesn't mean, you know, you could be, you could be alive and you're still dragging around these weights on your legs and stuff like that from your past. Don't let your past dictate your future. 
Don't, don't let your past do that. Yesterday, I can't change yesterday. I can't change what I did. You know, I can start now and on is where I can, that's all I can do. So don't, 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 and see, here, here we got Lazarus again. Lazarus was alive, but he's coming out. He still has his grave clothes. And what it also says is that it, there are times where you can't handle it yourself. I'm tired of the COVID excuse where you can't get back to church. You know what? You're going to need to be in church because there's going to be a time in your life like I was. I couldn't pray for myself. Lazarus couldn't pray for himself. He couldn't roll the stone away. Others had to do it. He couldn't unwrap his grave clothes. Others had to do it. The church is about others. I need you. You need me. This is a family. You don't go and sit at home and say, I can have church at home. Wrong. You can have church at home, but you're not having real church. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? That's good, Pastor. I'm saying. See, evangelist wouldn't say that, but a pastor would say. Now, okay. Let me uh, let me get. Oh, I didn't tell you this. Uh, I wrote I wrote a book uh, before the the cardiac arrest, before I died. Um, and it's and I, uh, John Bevere, my good friend, forwarded this. And here's the book: Is why am I not healed when God promised? And Pastor, this is been kind of for us you know we have people that are ill every week that come and i said you know what uh you know it's more than faith i put this 17 hindrances to your miracle and to a healing i've got in this book and i i really and so i wrote this whole book here why am i not healed when god promised and what happened then i i wrote it and sent it to the 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 book company and uh and there was they were going to print it it hadn't been printed yet and then i died and and so it wouldn't have sold real well. <laughs> Get Ben Berto's new book, Why Am I Not Healed? He's talking about miracles. He died last week. You will die too. <laughs> so so what happened is I came back, of course, as you see me here. <laughs> I think I am. And I said, No, 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 don't don't go ahead and write it yet. I said I have one more chapter. And I put my resurrection story, and Debbie and my three kids wrote what it was like to see their dad dead and lose their dad. And I just cried when I read it. So, we, you know, I've got, I brought some of these for you. I'll go in the back and sign these. And if you have any sickness at all, and if you don't have any sickness, you will one day. Something's going to happen. But I, I, here's, what, here's what I want to tell you. I wrote this book for you, but it was really for me. I wrote a book for my own miracle. And didn't know what I put in my book is what I needed to have a miracle. And so it's, it's something that, that is special. And it's not just a regular book. And, and uh, we brought some in the bag. Okay. What happened is on a Sunday, I'm preaching. I'm going to show you the preaching. Uh, and you're going you're gonna to hear a song, Money, Money, Money. And the reason is because we started a giving, uh, uh, a month of uh, tithes and giving, explaining finances, things like that. So we just played the song, Money, Money, Money. You'll see that. And then, then uh, of course, as a Cajun, uh, you know, you, you, we know how to dance, if, especially from New Orleans. And so I just kind of, as it, uh, you, you'll see this, and I'm explaining this here to you, because the next day after you see this, I'm dead. And so I'm preaching on Sunday. Everything is fine. I don't feel anything, nothing, you know, I don't have any kind of hurting or anything like this at all. And so they start playing the song. And so I came out and kind of did a little dance. Now, I didn't, want to, I didn't want people to go crazy and throw things at the altar. So I didn't show off. I'm just telling you. It's just kind of a little, just a little bit, to, just to let you know, I could, do, I could really break out. But I didn't. 
And then, and then it's just a, just a couple little preaching clips. And all, I, all this as far as to show you, I was kind of okay. Everything was okay. It was regular on a Sunday morning. So why don't we kind of dim the lights. We'll show you this. This was Sunday, and this was 1124 in 2019. Okay? There it is. And to set this up, you have to have a theme song. And so let me just play our theme song here that we have. Here we go. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's Mardi Gras. Little robot here. Did not much. Didn't want him to go crazy. Just did a little bit. And here's a little preaching. So God purchased you by his blood using a currency and bought you back and said, now I lost you, Glenn, and I bought you now back, so now you're mine. Oh, God, here's my money. Oh, God, here's my, here's my watch. Oh, God, here's everything that I have. Here's all I have. You know what? That's still not enough. I still love. All of it belongs to him anyway, so am I really giving him anything? The only thing that's precious that he wants is not your junk. He wants you. Okay, so so that's a, that's a little clip of Sunday, and let me, lights, okay, uh, it's a clapper, okay, and so that's Sunday, and all I'm doing is showing you that, because when we as pastors tell you you're not guaranteed tomorrow, I'm testifying to you you're not guaranteed tomorrow, okay, you don't know what's going to, pick up the paper today and see the people that we read that died in a car accident or whatever, and see if yesterday they thought they were going to die. You have to make up your mind tonight. If any of you are here and you haven't sold your life out to God, you need to do it quickly and do it tonight. Don't you dare go home without committing yourself 100% to God, not part of you, not giving him a little bit, not trying it. Now, I'm a so-called Christian. I want you to go and surrender it all. It's the best life you're ever going to live anyway, because I already tried the other life. This is the best one. How many agree to that? Amen? Okay. So, so, watch this. So, what happens is, on Monday, um, this is Monday, it's 11.25 on Monday, next day, uh, we have our prayer meeting, like I told you about. In the prayer meeting here, uh, that, that night, I didn't know it, but the, her prayer team was going to give her a, a, a birthday, pre-birthday party for her. And uh, it's, so it's a, it's a prayer night, so we're going to have people coming up. So uh, when all this happened, we had hundreds of people that had already started coming to our prayer meeting that's standing around me and so forth. And so uh, I didn't want to go because I was really tired. I didn't know, uh, you know, sometimes I'm real tired after preaching, sometimes three times on Sunday. And I was kind of tired, so I'd stay home. And, uh, and I was going to stay home. I said, I don't want to go. I said, why don't you go and I'll, I'll just stay here, Debbie. And, uh, and, and, many, and sometimes I would do that. Uh, but the only reason I went is because she was having her birthday party or she would have found me at home two and a half hours later in a chair dead. And there would have been no hope because it would have been way too long. I'd have, I'd have been dead too long. So I, that's the only reason I went. We drove, have to drive to the church 35 minutes from my house. Cardiac arrest could have happened while we're driving the car and then we're dead. We get to the church. We have a we have a large facility. It's, you know, it's all 30 acres of stuff all over the place, and we're on the back of the church here, parked. That's where I parked. Her birthday party was. You got to go around the buildings and go to the front side, and it's over on the corner over there is where the fellowship hall was. 
So we're sitting in the pastor's lounge, pastor. We're sitting in the pastor's lounge. We're just talking. Debbie's getting her, 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 her prayer meeting stuff together and things like that. And she goes, oh, we got to go to the, to, the, to the birthday party. So I get out and I go over to the, to the car and I get in the car. And uh, then Debbie's a minute after me, just right after me. When she got in the car, my head is leaning back in the car and I'm dead. A cardiac arrest different than a heart attack. I've already had a widowmaker. I've already I had the widowmaker. I have pulmonary embolism. Have five stents in my heart. I've had pneumonia. I've had COVID twice. I've had uh, prostate cancer. Got valley fever. Uh, only thing I hadn't had is leprosy. So okay, I don't, and I don't want that. Jesus, I didn't. I don't. I don't want that. So so what happens is that that here we are. We're in the uh, I'm in the car, and Debbie sees me with my head back just like this. Because a cardiac arrest is instant. It's a light switch. It's, it's like, I'm here, dead. Here, it's quick. It's, you don't feel anything. It's not like a heart attack. It's instant. It's, you're out. You're done. You're gone. And so I, my head's back, and she hears me, and that's it. It was just a, that kind of last breath. And she's shaking me. She said, come on, Glenn. We've got to go to the birthday party. She just saw me walk out. she got to, we got to go to the birthday party. And I said, I said, and, and, and she's shaking. Then she gets out of the car and comes around, and she starts shaking. She said, Glenn, wake up. Glenn, wake up. Now, we had a lady named Penny. Uh, and, and Penny is a nurse practitioner from Canada. She put her application in. There's so many of these little side stories. I can't tell you them all, but there's some miraculous things that happen. And Penny was a nurse practitioner. Puts her, and she, she was so uh, uh, respected. She puts her, uh, her, her application all over the world, Dubai, every place. And God sends her to Modesto, little Modesto, uh, which is not a great vacation place at all. Nobody's probably ever been there. And, and it sends her to Modesto. And she's in our church. But she never comes because she's working all the time. But she came only because it was my wife's little birthday party is why she came. She parked on the wrong side of the church where the birthday party was over there. But it was the right side where I was. And so what happened is, is that she, two places from my car, she parks, gets out to go in, thinking she's going to birthday parties in the church there. And she hears Debbie saying, Glenn, wake up, Glenn, wake up. She said, the Lord tells me, go over, you can help pastor. She came over to me and you'll hear her. I'll show you what she looked like because 700 Club just did maybe about two months ago, a reenactment of this. So I had to go lay on the ground and die again. Thank you, 700 Club. And so... Uh, you'll see this, but you'll see Penny. I'll show you that. And Penny says, I came over, touched your neck. You have no pulse. Uh, opened your eyes. You're dilated. You were dead. I knew you had a cardiac arrest. Didn't know she was a 25-year cardiac arrest nurse also, we found out. Pulls me out of the car. She begins to do CPR. Now, she, this stuff is not on the video, she, but she does CPR. She goes five minutes by herself, and she does five minutes of this, and then she says, the Lord said this, so take your hands off of him. So she said, I took my hands off of you. She said, you opened your eyes, threw your hands up, and said, oh, God, and you went back and died again. I said, well, Penny, have you ever seen that? She said, you don't have a pulse. I said, well, what did you think happened? He said, With the, I felt the Lord tell me your spirit went back and your body don't stop and don't stop. So she ends up going 10 more minutes. She's 15 minutes, which you don't go that way. Anybody in, who's in the medical field here? Anybody in the medical field? Okay. So that, that's a long time for one person, a lady, to go, 15 minutes like this and, and do this. And she, she goes 15 minutes and the paramedics finally come. When the paramedics come, the captain told them to stop three times. 
But because Penny saw what she saw, she wouldn't let him stop. And they knew, and she told him how qualified she was to know what was going on. But that one experience that took place. And then she said, Penny says, but pastor, I didn't tell you this, that when the paramedics came, they tried to put some, put, to hook you up to things and you're trying to knock it off with your hands like this. I said, well, have you ever seen that? He said, no, you don't have a pulse. I said, what do you think? He said, your spirit was fighting for you. Your spirit was fighting for you to live. And so the paramedics went ahead and they went, they went 30 minutes. So 45 minutes I'm on the ground, which is unusual. Now I have hundreds of people from our church that's coming to the prayer meeting. And as, as you know, when, when they're dealing with your heart, they cut your clothes off. I got all my clothes cut off. And I'm, here's a pastor in the underwear laying in front of my people. Thank God I, I wore normal underwear. Get, you know. <laughs> Wouldn't want to die in something crazy, you know. So, <laughs> and so, so, you know, <laughs> you know, if, oh Jesus. So, 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 so they go, they go 30, the, 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 the captain tried to stop them three times and Penny said no. I died seven times on the ground when I was on the ground at the church. They finally got a little pulse and they brought me over to the hospital, which is like right across the street from my church, Memorial Hospital. I brought, they brought me in the emergency room. I died the eighth time in the emergency room. When I died the eighth time and they found out it was 45 minutes, uh, no, I was the last person on the, on the uh, kiosk there that they would write on to help because I was now gone. Uh, he's not, he's not savable. He's not savable. And the only way I know this is from nurses that knew me and uh, people that were there. I'm not saying I knew it, but I'm, this is all the information I would get. And so, so I was the last on the list that was, there's no reason to help him. They did, uh, where's some of my medical people? Who knows what a Glasgow coma scale is? You know what the Glasgow coma scale is? What is a three? You're brain dead. Yeah. Okay. I was brain dead. So I'm brain dead. I died eight times and they don't hook me up to anything. They lay me in a bed and that's it. I wonder how many times too they walk out and say, Miss Smith, I'm sorry. We did everything we could, but really didn't do anything because you were too far gone anyway. So I was, I was, I was not hooked up to anything in the emergency room. And, uh, I, I can't tell you how, how I can't, I don't, I don't have a, nobody was there. I can't tell you an explanation of what happened during that time, but I do know this story here and I'm going to show you, I'll show you some video. Um, a guy named Juan, pastor, this guy named Juan. This is one of these miracle stories. Juan was a nurse. I met him after, of course, I came back and Juan was a travel nurse and Juan is a travel nurse from Fresno. Fresno is about two hours from Modesto and he's got to drive two hours back and he's kind of wondering, why do I keep going to Modesto? What's the purpose of this? God, can you give me something closer to where I live? And so, uh, he didn't know, he, he was kind of frustrated. He had to keep driving so much. And so he's an emergency room nurse is what he is, a travel nurse. He's in the emergency room. So he said, I'm walking by. I sat and met with him. I'm walking by and he said, I see your name. And he's talking to me. He said, and I see your name. And I, I looked in your room and you're not hooked up to anything. And they just laid you on a, on a gurney basically is what they did. And I said, well, what did you do? He said, I went in your room and he said, I would start singing worship songs to you and your blood pressure would move when I'd sing. And so I started putting, when everybody left the room, I put in stickers, scriptures on machines when they finally, after two hours, started hooking you up. The reason, Pastor, they hooked me up is, is because a Sikh from India in our city that I'm friends with, a Sikh, 
Doesn't believe what I believe. But he, but he builds hotels and he wants me to dedicate them. He runs for Senate and I go, I go pray in Jesus' name and do the whole thing. And he's a Sikh, different religion. And what happened, somebody in our church called him and said, Manny, Pastor Glenn said, is dying in the hospital. He said, I got to go. Didn't know that Manny is the head board member of the hospital I'm in. He calls the administrator and says, I'm checking on my friend, Pastor Glenn Berto. The administrator freaks out, calls the emergency room. He said, Glenn Berto, how's he doing? And then they, we got to hook him up <laughs> to make it look like we tried. Now, there was really no hope. There was nothing going on. But here's back to Juan. Juan is in there singing, and Juan's telling me this. And I said, Juan, do you know me? How do, how do you know me? He said, 10 years ago, you spoke in Fresno, and you spoke at a church. And during the altar call, you pointed to me. That was me. You pointed to and said, you need to get right with God. That was me. I came to the altar. When I came to the altar, you said to me, God's called you to be a worship leader. He said, I'm a worship leader in Fresno. And he said, you're the one that led me to the Lord. That's why I, uh, you, can't, you can't plan this. Can't plan that. So, so in this here, I'll show you um, where I'm at now. I'm, I'm now, the, what they did, they hooked me up to everything because, uh, <laughs> because they finally, uh, because the because administrator, that's the only reason, because the administrator called down and then they said, okay, we got to do this. Our people are praying out in the lobby really loud and there were several people that were in the medical field saying, yeah, let's see if their prayers are going to work on this guy. And I would get all this stuff. Nobody wanted to work on me. I was considered a high-profile guy. They knew me in the city. And they were kind of, well, if we work on them, something happens. Something might happen to us. It was just, it was just crazy, and it was no use. Uh, he's, he's a vegetable. I don't know which vegetable I was going to be, but I was going to be a vegetable uh, and, and brain dead. And he's, he's been died, dead eight, you know, eight times. And ironically, listen, the, word, the number eight in the Bible means resurrection. It means new birth, new beginning. If you want to know numbers, that's what it means. And so uh, what you're going to see is I'm on a ventilator. they basically just keeping my body alive for uh, transplants is what they want to do. Some maybe a uh, different trend. My kidneys are not working. My bladder's not working. My lungs are not working. My heart's not working. And uh, they just put a ventilator in, and you'll see my family and things like this. And so you can turn the lights on. So this is me the next day after you saw me preaching. This is the next day on that Monday. I think they're going to show a little bit of the 700 Club clip here in the beginning. You'll get to see a little time to drive around to the party. Glenn went to the car while Deborah finished some work. By the time she came out, Glenn appeared to be asleep at the wheel. When she tried to wake him, he didn't respond. The more I shook him and nothing was happening, I was realizing the seriousness of it. At that moment, Penny Greaves, a member of the That's prayer Penny group right there for the party, came over. She just happened to get off work early and had parked on the wrong side of the building where Glenn's car was. She also happens to be a nurse practitioner and pulled Glenn from the car. He was pulseless. I concluded he was dead because um, he was pulseless. He wasn't breathing and his pupils were dilated. Eventually, Glenn was taken to ICU, and for six hours, they waited and prayed. Then, around 1 a.m., a doctor came out with devastating news. He said, he's not good. And I said, well, is he dead? And he said, not yet, but he will die tonight. I just remember saying, can I see him? 
he said, yes, go say goodbye to him. picture right there uh you don't need lights on just leave it they can hear me okay this this right here is now on the fourth day uh i'm paralyzed i'm in a coma ventilator there's no sign of life really at all and and debbie of course is like all of us would god give me a word you know god give me something to hang on to in this i don't want to be a widow i i i you know what what can i so she goes to sleep on the third night and and at, on the fourth morning, at 4.30 in the morning, listen, church, what she hears, she wakes up to God saying, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. She wakes up. And when she wakes up, she goes, God, what, where, where, she's trying to, I'm a, where's that at? That's Lazarus. That's a Lazarus story. And that's John 11:25, where it says, I'm the resurrection and the life, if you believe. Now, you, you gotta look in the Bible here. All over the Bible is if you believe is all over the Bible. You, we can believe for somebody else, but we can't believe for ourselves. We can have more belief for somebody, but if you believe, though you die, you will live. You can't get a better scripture in my situation. I'm the resurrection of life. If you believe, though you die, you will live. She gets that on that fourth morning. Lazarus was raised up on the fourth. What I'm doing here is my head, now all of us are looking at it, to the right, was kind of leaned to the right over there. She's talking to me. My head turned. Now, I'm paralyzed. I can't move. But my head turns toward her, and my eyes, you can see, start kind of squinting, opened up for the first time. And it, it was a sign to her that I'm still there. Now, when, 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 when people say, or, or in the medical field, they say, talk to the person, they can hear you. Now, I'm back from the dead. I'm going to tell you I did hear, and I'm going to tell you what I heard. I could hear my wife. And this was a sign there because the physical body doesn't hear, but the spirit is still alive. And that spirit can hear. And I'll tell you that story later. But I want to show you this part of it. And and as as it goes into it, just to tell you uh, that that seven days they that was on the ventilator and so forth things like they said we got to take the ventilator out it's just too long and there's no use even having it they pulled the ventilator out and i'm gonna tell you what i saw in me when i'm dead i this is what i saw i'm gonna tell you about it and i woke up at the same time the ventilator came out and i started breathing and the doctors the unsaved doctor calls and says it's a miracle sunday it, he, here's a doctor saying it's a miracle sunday to my family and so, uh, and then, then I'm, I'm, I'm awake and then they kind of, can you stand up and you'll see a picture of me. Well, yeah, I can stand up. The nurse is kind of staring at me like, I can't believe this man standing up. And then he said, can you walk? And so they give me a walker kind of a little bit. And I start walking. I said, I don't need a walker. And then I threw the walker away and I started walking and the, these the doctors are freaking out. They just don't, they can't understand what's going on. So here's the rest of it. And you'll see me coming out of the hospital.
So that's uh, that's most of my kids, and that's one of my grand my oldest grandchild right there in the blue, the hat. This is the ventilator's out now, and so I'm alive here. I'm still drugged up and hurting real bad, but I'm alive here. They don't know if I'm brain dead yet. Here's the first time I stood up, and they didn't know if I could stand up or not. And then you're going to see me speed walking here after I got out of. And they were shocked by that. Debbie wanted to make out. She hadn't kissed me, so uh, I don't know why she wanted to do that. So had kissed me in a while. We're walking. That's my son there. He's currently speed walking. He's speed walking right now. He's speed walking. Speed walking. It's a miracle. This is 16 days. 16 days. 16 days later, I'm coming out. It's this December is cold. These are all my staff, my pastors at the church standing there cheering me on coming out of the hospital. And listen to what I say. I'm alive. Because of you. I wouldn't be alive when your prayers. I'm serious. I'm not playing. And there's just some articles that they put all around the world. You can, you can stop it there and turn on the lights. And okay, so let me let me explain now what happened because I know you want to know. Did I see? Anybody want to know? Did I see Jesus? Did I see Jesus? Because everybody wants to know that I see Jesus. I didn't see Jesus, but I I, I kept hearing it, Pastor, because I could hear. And I'm laying there, and, and I didn't know I was supposed to be brain dead, but because but, uh, what happened is is when he pulled the ventilator out, he says miracle suddenly he's breathing, but he gathered my family around. He says he's breathing, but. I want to tell you that he's going to, he has brain damage. We've already checked him. He said he's not going to, um, he's probably going to be on a feeding tube. He's, he's not going to be able to speak. He probably won't walk again. And um, this is kind of what's going to happen. And my whole family looks at him and said, I guess, doctor, you're going to have another story to tell after this. Now, you've got to have faith to be able to say that. They never wavered, never wavered at all. And, and, and so I remember, I remember when they, I didn't know they were checking me to be brain dead or not, to ask me questions, but I was laying there and, I, and my chest, all my bones are broken in my chest. Uh, I'm on dialysis. I, I didn't know all this stuff that was going on, but I was in a lot of pain, but I could hear, you know, and I, I could hear. So I'm laying there. My wife doesn't want me to tell this because she said, don't tell that because it's not true. I said, well, I'm telling the people it's not true. But people kept asking. I could hear them say, I wonder if he saw Jesus. I wonder if he saw Jesus. Then all the pastors, my pastors in a room, and, and they knew I could hear. I said, Pastor, did you, did you see Jesus? And I'm like, yeah, I did. I saw him. And I, I got my eyes closed. And I'm like, they, the eyes get real big. And yeah, I saw him. I said, he, 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 I was standing in heaven. He came toward me. He had a white robe. He, was, he looked just like the movies. And, uh, and, and he came toward me, and he said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I died. He said, well, you need to go back. I said, I don't want to go back. I like it here. He goes, no, you need to go back. He said, no, I don't want to go here. And then we got in a fight. And then, then I, I threw him in the dirt, and he made me come back. You know, I, it's not true, but I just I did it for them. But when they came to check me about my brain damage thing here, uh, they, 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 I remember the doctor, I, I didn't even have my eyes open, but I could hear. He said, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. And all, all my family's in the room. They're wondering if I can respond. They don't know yet. Hey, Glenn, where were you born? And I'm like, where were you born? He goes, what city are you in? I said, what city are you in? Why are you asking me stupid questions? 
I think he's okay. He's sarcastic again. You know, he's, he's okay. I even asked if the Saints won the game, you know, right away. I'm like, you know, I had my memory immediately back. They couldn't believe that was so because of the testing that they did. And um, um, first thing I felt was just intense pain. My body was just in so much pain. But let me tell you what, what I did see. I'm going to tell you this here. Um, um, I went in a room. I went a room of death is where I went. And uh, I haven't ever talked to anybody that has this story or anything at all. But I went in a room of death. I was sitting in a room that was pitch black is where I went. And it was the feeling where you know people are around you, like somebody's behind you and somebody is. You know, it's that, that this room is full of people, but nobody's talking. The reason I know it was a room because there was a door, and I could see, I could see the outline of, of the door because a light was on the other side of that door. And I could see, you know, you could see the shape of the door. There was a figure that was walking back and forth in front of it. And I could see it blink. Every time it walked, it, I could see it. But I couldn't, it wasn't, it was, it was so dark you couldn't see the shape of it. But you could see this figure just blink in front of it. And I'm thinking, where am I at? I, I, now here it is, I'm talking to myself. Where am I at? I, I don't understand what this is. And all of a sudden I start hearing, and all of us here, it's hard to explain to these other cities you go to. We don't understand what a hurricane tornado sound like here. So you can understand this and how powerful that is, you know, when we hear these storms come in here. And what happened, I was hearing that in a distance, and it was coming toward that room. And it was just this, you know, a deep kind of rumbling, the earth kind of a sound that was coming toward the, the, toward the room. I couldn't make out what it was. It just was just, just this powerful sound. As it got closer and closer and louder and louder, I hear people praying. I hear my wife praying. I hear my pastors praying. I hear church churches and friends of mine from here and around the world praying, people that I knew. I knew their voices, and they're praying. And they're all saying the same thing as death, you can't have him. Death, let him go. You can't have him. God is not through. Death, you let take your... And they're all saying the same thing. And this thing is now pacing nervous now. So is the spirit of death. And it's walking like this. Now it's pacing like this. And it just gets deafening. It was so loud. All of a sudden, about 10 seconds, I didn't see it move. It comes over, grabs me by the arm and says, get out now. Now you got to get out. Brings me over to the door, opens the door, and I looked to see what it looked like. But it went behind the door like this and threw me out in the light. That's when the ventilator was pulled out and I started breathing. And... I said, God, I don't understand. I, you know, I, I preached for 45 years. It's appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. We all know that. So I'm saying, well, why was I not judged? Why, I, why didn't I go to heaven? He said, tell me the scripture again. Now, I'm not, I'm not awake yet. I'm still kind of, I'm, I, I'm alive, you know. And he says, I said, he said, say the scripture again. He said, it's appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. He said, yeah. He said, how long is then? I'm like, oh, I appreciate, you know, I said, yes, your son to mow the front yard, mow the backyard, then you're going to have dinner. What time's dinner? I don't know how long it's going to take him. He said, there's a period of time there. He said, Lazarus wasn't judged. If he was judged, you can't come back. He said, death and dead are two different words. Dead's the grave. Death is a spirit. 
All this stuff going on in our country, that's the spirit of death. When you've got to pray about something, you're praying for your kids, that's the spirit of death that has them is what it is. And see, we've got to go to the root of what the problem is. It's not just this or that opinion or this. There's a spirit involved in all this stuff that's going on to divide your family. Suicide is on the rise. All these things are a hopelessness, all this stuff. That's a spirit of death that has come into our society. And that's the axe you put to the root. That's, you get an axe, put that to the root. And he said, it's a point of man wants to die. He said, then. I said, yeah, but how was I able to come out? How, how did I get out of this, this room of death? And this is what he said. He said, come on, Glenn, you know the Bible. He said, let's say, and then God says, now, nobody, no, I'm not even awake. I'm not even talking yet. And I'm having a conversation. And he, said, uh, he says, come on, Glenn, you know the, okay, let's take the book of Acts. Let's take the seven sons of Siva. Uh, the demon says, the devil says, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And he said, Glenn, most of the church is who are yous. He says they don't have any authority at all. That's why nothing happens. That's why they can't even move a pebble, much less a mountain. And see, like I said earlier, authority means you've got to weather some things. You've got to walk through some things. You've got to get knocked down and get up. You've got to get knocked down and get up. But you, you're not going to be beat. You're going to tell the devil. See, some of us yell more at our kids than we yell at the devil. We're screaming at our kids, but we go ahead and let the devil just kind of do what he wants to do. And you know what? You, you know what? You may not have anybody that prays for you. Don't get mad at the pastor because he didn't call you. Lay hands on yourself. Grow up. Become somebody where, where men and women of God, where we can teach young people here that if somebody didn't shake my hand, I'm leaving a church. Grow up. Shake your own hand. That's not important. You know what I'm saying? You need to realize you have the same God we have in our own life. You got the same Jesus. You can ask him to do the same thing I can. So don't get mad because the pastors didn't visit me in the hospital. You know what? I've been laying on my hands on my head for over two and a half years every night. Things hadn't changed for years, but I know that God is going to do it. And I would say, God, I just, I want to feel better the next day. In Jesus' name, I'm praying for myself because I couldn't even get out of bed for two years. And I'm laying my hands and said, I'm going to speak again, God. I'm going to help people again. I'm not going to be breathing and not do anything. Devil, your request has been denied. I'm going to get up and do something for you one day. Oh. Okay, 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 I'm going to do this. The Holy Spirit just said, you got to share this. Okay. Um, what happened, not only did I have a lot of, over the last, you know, two and a half plus years, I had all kinds of other things, other times where the devil just basically gave me sicknesses, tried to kill me. And um, he was just so mad that I was alive. And, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm here to go ahead and do some payback is what I want to do. I said, devil, you, you messed up to leave me breathing because I'm here to populate heaven and depopulate hell is what I'm going to do. I've got, a, I've got a mission. And so I'm not here just because I need to go speak someplace. I don't need to speak someplace. I'm here to help you is all I'm here to do. And, and what would happen, Pastor, what happened is, is that the, the doctors would tell me I have PTSD. Because after the cardiac and all that I went through, that spirit of death was constantly there every day. Uh, I tried to, as I started driving again on, in Modesto there, somebody in the other lane on the interstate flips and rolls into my lane 70 miles an hour. Could have easily died. I'm, I'm, I'm this far away from the car, hitting the car. I jump out to try to help the people, end up 
holding a lady's leg that, and, and, and she dies in my hand. Next month, my mom dies here in Baton Rouge, and I'm in Baton Rouge dealing with all kinds of stuff here. All around the world, people know me, and anybody that is sick and may be dying, they know my story. So my Instagram blows up every day. says, can you pray the prayer that raised you? Can you, can you pray for me and stuff? So spirit of death was constantly all around me in a sense. Two doctors say you have PTSD, and I didn't understand what that was or anything like that. But let me just say this, because there are people that are here is the reason I'm saying it for. And, and because you're saying, well, here's a pastor. Here, look, how he's done all this. and blah, blah. I would go into a dark place, and I'd go to a hopeless place. Now, I know I'm ministering to somebody here. And I would go hopeless, and I would go to a dark place. I'm very upbeat. All the guys that know me and Billy and all these guys and Don, I, I'm just not that. That's not my personality. But everything that happened to me would put me in a place where I didn't care if I lived, died, or whatever. I understand suicide. And I wouldn't do it because my support system of my family is strong. And i got grandkids and things like that. But if let's just say my family's falling apart. Let's just say they've been thrown out. And, I have, and I'm in that state right there. It is so easy to deal with this. Sadly, I'm de- I deal with now high schoolers and junior high people that are thinking of suicide. Now, come on. How many of us when we were in junior high school thought of that? Uh, us, us that are old, we never thought of something like that. And so I would go into this dark place, and I would just sit in the car. I would go drive off someplace. Debbie's trying to call me. I wouldn't answer the phone because I just didn't want to be around anybody. I, couldn't, I didn't understand it, and I went in this place. But what I want to tell you, those of you that are here, and, 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 and I, I'm not surprised of how many there will be in this church because every church I've said this in, there are hands that go up all over. And I go in the back to the book table, and they come in and they tell me, crying, thank you. You being a pastor, understanding what I'm going through and how my life goes into these different places like this. But look at me. Don't you dare ever think that suicide is an answer because you're going to come out of this thing. And what you need to do is put an axe to that spirit of death right there is what you need to do because that's what it is. The devil hates all of us breathing right now because we got the potential to shut him down. So he doesn't like us. The feeling's mutual. And so, you know what? Uh, so you got to realize this isn't a church. This is a weapon. You understand? This is a, the church is a weapon in the hand of God to go ahead and to take back territory the devil has taken here. The devil is making his move right now. And what he's doing with our kids is the beginning of a Sodom and Gomorrah. You wonder how Sodom and, got, Sodom and Gomorrah got the way they did? It's just what's happening right now. It's the beginning phases of that. All this stuff on abortion, all these different things here is my body, my choice, my body. I believe in women's rights. But you got to remember years ago, some of us tell you the women's rights was all about, it was all about equal pay. That the men were making more and the women were doing the same thing and it's equal rights. Yes, it is your body, but that's still a baby. Sorry, that's still a baby. How many bake the cake? Anybody bake a cake? Takes about 30 minutes to bake a cake, right? You take it out in 10 minutes and it's still a cake? So is the baby, all right? So let's just settle all these things that are there. But what I'm saying, all that's the spirit of death. And so if we're going to pray against something, that's what we're going to deal with. And then tonight here, I don't want to take a lot of your time, but I, I could go story upon story of what happened to me and, and the journey that I have been through to, be even, to even stand up here. I am blessed in a sense to be able to come here and just come home 
and to talk to family. I, you know, I consider this is family. This is where I was raised. And to be able to help you. Uh, I, I believe in miracles. I am one. And God raised me up in this day because this whole book is just full of miracles. I don't know everything that takes place is a miracle. Everything you read is miracles. But we don't see it. They followed Jesus. Was he just the greatest preacher in the world? Never talks about him being a great preacher. I'm sure he was. Everything he said was a word. But, but they came because they wanted to see miracles. They came because they wanted to see some things happen. And so I believe that God wants to bring this back to the church. I believe he wants us to stand believing that God can do anything and he will do anything and he'll change your life. How many believe that? Don't you believe that God wants to do that? Stand if you stand up. Stand up. Stand up.